chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass that he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. He said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, what a blessing it is today to gather together with your elect, that we might lift up our praise and adoration and worship. Lord, we are most unworthy of ourselves. But what Christ has accomplished in our place sets us in heavenly places. And Lord, we are so ever thankful for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And now, Father, we pray, bless us as we seek to worship you and praise you in preaching of thy word. Forgive me already, Father, for my great insufficiency and incapabilities of preaching your blessed truth. Oh, Lord, I pray the Spirit of God would be our teacher and our guide. And Lord, may we hear these words of Christ this morning, just as your disciples heard them many days and many years ago. And Lord, I pray they would pierce our heart and instruct us in this divine in this divine and most wonderful virtue of prayer. Help us, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Therefore, we rely upon the Holy Spirit of God to help our infirmities and intercede on our behalf. Thank you, dear God, for all your blessings upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I must tell Jesus, all of my burdens. I cannot bear these burdens alone. Give us day by day our daily bread. You know, one of the countless blessings of meditating on God's Word day and night is while musing over one certain passage of Scripture, so many other which speak of that same divine truth comes rushing like a river into our hearts and our minds. It's amazing how the Word of God works and how the Spirit of God works that Word into uh, our hearts as we muse and meditate over one passage of Scripture when we've made ourselves known or make ourselves know the Word of God. So many other passages of Scripture seems to flow into our thoughts in our minds. That's the work of the Holy Spirit of God bringing to our remembrance the things of Christ. And I hope and pray that we would ever seek to meditate even more day and night into the Word of God, that it might truly bless our souls as we contemplate its blings. The Lord delighteth, we read this morning, in the prosperity of His servants. Amazing verse. Not so much more long to prosper than in speaking to God, in praying to God, in conversing with God 
in prayer. Though men ought always to pray and not to faint, was Christ's own exhortation unto all men, yet what to pray for as we ought eludes us. Not by reason of want or desire. Teach us, Job 32, 19 says, Teach us what we should say unto Him, for we cannot order our speech by reason of darkness. It sounds almost like that of the disciples. They're echoing Elihu in the book of Job when they heard Christ pray. Teach us to pray, to converse with God, for we know not what we ought to pray for as we ought to pray we long for. To converse with God in an intimate fashion as in prayer we yearn for. Yet often, if not more than often, when we pray we feel so insufficient and unable of ourselves to pray. To order our speech before men of our own likeness, even concerning our knowledge of God, we often pride ourselves. Look what I know about God. Look what I've learned about God. Let me speak of you about theology and the things of God I've learned. We pride ourselves in such things too often. Yet to order our speech or prayers before God, the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, according to Isaiah 57, we cannot of ourselves by reason of darkness. We're humbled even by the thought of conversing with God. Therefore, we should be ever thankful and grateful that God Himself in His infinite mercy and grace would by His Holy Spirit help our infirmities. For we know not what uh, of ourselves what we should pray for as we ought. We should thank God for that help, for that aid of the Holy Spirit. For our hearts would never yearn of themselves to pray unto God. If the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, by the Word of God, would warm our hearts up to pray to God. That's why I encourage you to read Scripture. Meditate in it day and night. Because this, the echoing of God's Word, is what gives God more glory than our own finite words. But the Word of God glorifies God more than anything else. And when the Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and warms our hearts in it, and He helps us in our infirmities to lift our prayers up to God, it's such an exciting thing for the believer. For we know it's not of ourselves. So even when we pray, we're humbled. Yet excited and comforted. We have such a merciful God. And besides all that, we should be ever thankful that Christ would Himself personally instruct us on the manner in which we must pray. Teach us to pray. And without a blink, without a moment of pausing, without any hesitation, Christ would say, when you pray, say, Give us day by day our daily bread.
I think of all the petitions in these divine instructions, this fourth petition is often not completely overlooked, but I believe often is hidden by the petitions before and after this fourth prayer. But I hope and pray by God's grace this morning that I would be able to show you uh, why Christ would place this petition exactly where he did for our comfort. I'm getting ahead of myself, but many in the past have believed it would have been better for us to ask for forgiveness first rather than our daily bread. Yet, not only is it a folly to question God's Word, but I believe we we hinder ourselves from receiving the entire blessings of why Christ put these petitions in the order He did if we don't pay attention to why He placed this fourth petition exactly where He did. This fourth petition and all the following petitions, beloved, are as streams of mercies which must flow from the fountainhead and very well spring of all true and lasting blessings, namely God Himself and the desire to glorify and honor His holy name. This fourth petition and all those following must drive their must have their power and their source from the first three of which Christ said, namely God Himself and the desire and longing to glorify His name. Beloved, that must be imminent in all our prayers, and I cannot say that enough. It must be for God's honor and glory that we lay any petition before God, not any fleshly, lustly desire of our own, but that God might be exalted and honored and glorified. His name be hallowed. His kingdom come. His will be done. All prayer must find its source in that very foundation. I liked how the brother put it last week after preaching when he said, I liked how you said that all prayer must go through the portals of heaven first. <laughs> I was amazed at that, and I thought, that's very well put. Beloved, it is God and His honor and glory which must be the driving, the ultimate longing and desire of every true prayer. Even though our desires and wants and needs might be foremost in our minds, we must put God's honor and glory first and foremost. For to seek or desire anything else short of this, Beloved, I believe is to never know the true blessings in each and every petition we bring before God. We'll never know the blessings of God until we know this to be first and foremost in all our petitions. The psalmist said it best, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, twice, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy true sake, not unto us. Not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. James, on the other hand, tells us why so many of our prayers are not answered. We have not, he said, because we ask not. That's one reason. And then he says, but when we ask, we receive not because we ask amiss, that we may consume it upon our own lusts. Beloved, it's solely to the glory of God that every prayer must set its mark 
and purpose and goal solely to the honor and glory of God. That must be preeminent in all our prayers, and I cannot say that enough. Yet with that said, our Lord now turns to the fourth petition, which flows from this divine fountainhead, this wellspring of all blessings. Give us day by day our daily bread. Like I said, of all petitions of instruction our Lord gives us in this text, I believe this is one that is mostly overlooked, especially in this day of abundance. We have our pantries full. We have our refrigerators full. We have all the needs we want. Few of us in the Western world, now there are some in the world, but few of us in the Western world have need of praying day by day for our bread. We have more than sufficient, more than enough. We stockpile food. Yet that doesn't change the petition or the comforts of this petition, as I hope and pray we'll see this morning. But this fourth petition is truly amazing in many ways, two of which I desire to show you this morning by God's grace. And they'll flow together. First, because of the order in which Christ himself would place it. Why would Christ put this petition here? Immediately after. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us this day. But secondly, because of God's great and condescending love and care for his own, he ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. You know, oftentimes when I hear some Christians pray who are well-known or well-learned in theology, it sounds as though the God they're praying to is infinitely far beyond their reach, as though they're struggling to reach the heights of heaven, and they seem to always fall short, that God doesn't condescend to hear their prayers. Their prayers are too godly, too ascending, and I do not wish to disgrace prayer in any way, but beloved, here is a simple prayer. Give us day by day our daily bread. He loves and cares for His own. He's not a God, even though He is in heaven, He's not a God that's far away. He's not unapproachable. But through Christ, we can enter into the very presence of the Father who loves us Himself, and we can beseech Him of anything our hearts desire. As a father, he condescends to care for his own, even down to meeting our temporal needs in this present life. Oh, give us day by day our daily bread. The order of which Christ places this amazing petition should bring great comfort to our hearts and our souls. And I hope and pray that we comprehend this this morning because I believe it would change the way we approach God in times of need. From His kingdom in heaven where the Father suddenly reigns over heaven and earth to the simple and lowly giving of our daily bread. 
Look at the heights he drops down to from verse 2 to verse 3. Verse 2, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day. Look how it drops. He brings it all the way down to daily needs. He takes it from the heavenly heavens down to our daily needs of bread. The basic substance of life. That is God condescending to meet our needs. That is our heavenly Father. Yes, He's sovereign. He does whatever He wants. Yes, we want His will to be done. Yes, His kingdom come. Yet His Yes, His name be hallowed. Yet He does care about our daily needs. The God of this heaven and universe cares for our simple, basic daily needs. What a loving Father we have in Christ or through Christ. Christ with this fourth petition would show the condescending mercy and grace of our Father in heaven in providing our most temporal and basic needs of this present life. Oh, beloved, Christ knows the hearts of men. He knew that if He just simply left verse 2, those three first petitions, man would think God is unapproachable. He's way up in heaven. We cannot approach Him. He's, he's not concerned about my temporal needs. He's so high in heaven. He's more concerned with those things than my needs. But Christ would immediately draw our attention to how this Father in heaven condescends to give us our daily bread, the very basics of life. What an amazing comfort that is. In the Gospel of Matthew Concerning the same text before instructing them on the manner by which we must pray, Christ emphasized this glorious truth when he says, For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before he asks. After this manner, therefore, pray you. Your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. After this manner, therefore, pray you. In the Gospel of Matthew, he begins with that very thought. Your Father knows what needs you have even before you ask them. Therefore, after this manner, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. Christ has given us such an amazing salvation, not only in forgiving our sins, but in bringing us into a lively and intimate relationship with the Father. Our fellowship is with the Son, with the Father, and with the Son, Jesus Christ. In this fourth petition, beloved Christ would have us to understand when praying that though our Father is in heaven, He is not indifferent or unconcerned to our simple and daily needs of this present and temporal life. It's amazing how Christ would put this petition in this order, even before forgive us our sins, for we also... Uh, for we also forgive uh, everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us even before that. Christ would have us to understand that our Heavenly Father, though He is magnificent and infinite and eternal and glorious and all-powerful, uh, He condescends to meet our every need. You know, sometimes we're afraid to ask of God, ask God something because we think it's too menial, not deserving of His time. Remember how the Lord said, if a worldly father, earthly father asks you bread, would he give him stone? And why do you think your heavenly father's not much better than that? 
Some have in the past even questioned the reason of Christ placing this petition before the next concerning the forgiving of our sins, believing that the fifth petition to be more significant and essential, yet not only, like I said earlier, such questioning of God's word folly, but I believe hinders one from embracing the full comforts and blessings of which this fourth petition offers. It even exalts the fifth one, I believe. I believe the fourth exalts the fifth one to an even higher position. That this heavenly Father, whose name is to be hallowed, whose kingdom is to come, whose will is to be done, careth so much for me. He cares for you. Even in the most basic, essential needs of life. Though they do not openly confess it, Beloved, there be many who believe in their hearts and minds, like I said, that such a prayer is far below God and even unworthy and undeserving to even pray. But, oh, my friend, be not deceived by such foolish thoughts. Christ would have us immediately to recognize when we pray that our Father is approachable. And not only approachable, He is very much concerned of our daily needs. I'm getting ahead of myself, but uh, by daily bread, he's not merely meaning just simply food and bread. He, he's entailing everything that pertains to this present life, whether it be clothing, housing, food, jobs, anything, anything that happens, everything essential for this present temporal life, we ask God. Not only by asking him, by asking him, we acknowledge that all things come from God. Everything we have is of God. Nothing we own is of our own. Your money, your food, your house, your clothing, your land, nothing is of our own. It is all of God. We acknowledge that everything we have is from God. He who considers you to be the apple of his eye, He that touches you touches the apple of his eye. You know what the apple of the eye is? It's the most sensitive part of the body. It's the most sensitive part of the eye. And God said, he who touches that, that's how sensitive it is. He who touches you is like touching the apple of the eye. I'm very sensitive to how people touch you, how people treat you. Do you know your Father in Heaven is very sensitive to how people treat you? That's a child of God. We sang that in Psalms. Remember, he talked about the enemies and how by God's grace, God looks at them and God will destroy them because they're against us and because they fight against us. They set traps and nets for us. You know, that's how the psalmist always says that. Have you ever thought of God loving you that much, that intimate, or is he too high and lofty in your heart and minds that you can't comprehend that God could condescend to love someone like that? Beloved, there's many Christians I know from experience when I was a young Christian, there's many Christians that think God is too high and lofty, that their menial needs are below God. Why do you think the Lord says, and we'll look in a few minutes, he said, when the sparrow falleth to the ground, when the hair falls from your head, God knows everything. Are you not much more better than these? 
You see what Christ is doing here by putting this petition where he did? Yes, that is your heavenly father, but never forget, he cares for you day by day. Moment by moment. I'm kept in his care. Isn't that what the hymn says? Day by day and with each passing moment. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Sure, when we pray, we humble ourselves before God. Sure, when we pray, we acknowledge his sovereignty, his graciousness. We acknowledge his wisdom. But we also, dearly beloved, need to acknowledge him as a father who cares for us. Too often we pray as though God is some impersonal being. Our father. That's how it begins. Give us day by day. Our daily bread. Or in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 well-known passage of scripture but it brings to light even more of what our Christ what our Lord is instructing us in Luke Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God mammy you cannot love the world and God at the same time it doesn't work many people say oh yeah I'm a Christian but they love the world more than they do if not as much as they do they say of God you can't do that you they they can't exist they can't coexist it's impossible. First John explains that. It's impossible. You either love God or you love the world. Can't have both. But watch what he says. Therefore I send you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father sounds like our Lord's Prayer, feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? It's a mild rebuke, actually, where Christ is saying, are you not much better than His creation? You're His child. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto His stature? In other words, by worrying about these temporal things, how can you add anything to it? You can't. You can't. A child of God learns by experience and by the Word of God and by God leading and guiding them that there are things in life you can't change. can't add to it. Why worry about it? And why take thought of raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory is not arrayed like one of these. <clears throat> Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. Don't be worried. Don't be anxious. Saying what we shall eat or what shall we drink, <clears throat> excuse me, or withal shall we be clothed. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, again, heavenly Father, sounds like our prayer, knoweth that you have need of all these things. 
But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Sounds like our prayer. Our heavenly Father, which art in heaven, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's like it's no problem, no complications. God takes care of it. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. What good can our worrying do? It doesn't empty tomorrow of its trials. It only empties today of its strength and its comfort. We live day by day. Day by day and with each passing moment, strength I find to meet my trials here. A child of God does not live by week by week, month by month. I'm not saying we shouldn't plan. There's nothing sinful about that. But even in our planning, we live day by day. What's tomorrow going to bring? I don't know. And I don't care. We live in the moment. Day by day. We take no thought for tomorrow. The old hymn says, I know not what tomorrow brings, but I know whose hand I hold, and I know who holds tomorrow. Beloved, it's something that we have to exercise as believers. We have to train ourselves in reading the Word of God, meditating and praying. God teaches us that worrying about tomorrow doesn't help today. And we often spend so much time in the present worrying about tomorrow. Who knows what tomorrow shall bring? Only God. So we live for the day. That's why our Lord says when you pray, say day by day. He doesn't say, hey, Lord, give me enough food for the month or the week. Give me enough temporal needs that I can be satisfied for a month. The Lord said, no, day by day. It's something that we continually do. We do every day, each day, each and every day, day by day. Give us day by day our daily bread. Give us this day whatever we need. Day by day, every day, without exception. You see why it's such a comfort to know that Christ would place this fourth petition right where he did, even before, forgive, our, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive others theirs against us. It's real simple. The Lord does that so that we might be reminded that our Father, Heavenly Father, though he is in heaven, he cares for us in the most basic and essential things of life temporal as they might be. All things whatsoever you ask, believing, you shall receive. Well, I'm sure there's greater things God would rather answer than my menial prayer. Well, God would like to hear us pray that. God knows what we need before we ask. We understand that. People say, if God already knows that, what do I pray? You ever hear people say that? I know at one time my Christian life I did. If God knows what I want, why do I have to pray? Let God just give it to me. Well, because God has ordained that through prayer, he gives it to you, even though he knows it. You have not because you ask not. So we pray. And I said, like I said, I know in this age of abundance, it's hard for people to understand, especially in the Western world and other places, maybe not, understand and find comfort in this day by day or daily bread. But it's still a petition which should comfort our souls as God's people. It should be something that we should every day be praying before God. Because by prayer, 
we not only seek God's providing our temporal needs when we pray such a prayer, but we humbly acknowledge, and this is most important because it goes back to the very foundation of this uh, prayer, but by it we humbly acknowledge that all things that we have are given by God. He gives us everything we need. Everything we have, we humbly acknowledge, it all comes from God. That is the heart and essence of this fourth petition. Give us day by day our daily bread. I believe a lot of Christians make the mistake of what our Lord exhorts them against in Matthew chapter 6 by worrying about tomorrow and not merely living for the day. We all have lived long enough, I believe, to understand that sometimes in life things happen unexpectedly and without any warning. Whether it be a tragedy, whether it be sickness, we're healthy today and who knows what tomorrow is. When we find ourselves content with what we have, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And being content with what we have, beloved, believe me, we'll find ourselves being more content with ourselves, with others, and especially with God. Day by day. And it is my prayer that we, as God's children, would be able to look back at these instructions that Christ is giving us and we would be able to apply it in our own daily lives as we pray and seek God day by day. That we might know the comforts of what our Lord is instructing us as believers. And so I encourage you this morning, before we close, I encourage you to meditate upon this passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 11. But I encourage you even more to pray it until until it absolutely works effectually in our hearts and our lives until it becomes true meaning. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And the next one's even greater. Exalted by this fourth. And forgive us our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us. That is an amazing passage of Scripture and one which has been greatly neglected in this generation of non-forgiving Christians. Not forgiving, I'm not talking about them forgiving the world, I'm talking about them forgiving one another. I've never understood in my entire 40 years as being a Christian why it's impossible for some to forgive Christians of their trespasses. always confounded me. Yes, we've all struggled with that in our own lives. When people offend us, sin against us, we take it personal. And yet Christ would say, pray this. Why did he say pray that? Of all the things he would have us pray for, think about it, of all the things he could have told us or instructed us in prayer, why these things? Because these are preeminent. That's why he says, in this manner. Lord, forgive us our trespasses. Not just forgive us our trespasses, but forgive us as we forgive others. 
You know, if the Lord held us to that, we'd be in big trouble. He does hold us to that. But I mean, if he literally held us to that, we'd be in big trouble. <laughs> because we find it easy to forgive those, to forgive those who come to us and ask for forgiveness or those that are we've loved and cherished or those that are uh, familiar with us, our family, our friends, our close friends. But what happens when they sin so much against us that it greatly offends us? That's why we've got to pray, because we can of ourselves. Listen to me in forward for next week. We can of ourselves never forgive anybody in such a manner unless we pray to the Heavenly Father that he grant us the grace to do so. You know it takes a lot of grace, a lot of grace for us to forgive others. You know how much grace it took God to forgive us? When I survey the wondrous cross, look at Calvary. You want to see the love of God and what it took to forgive? Look at Calvary. Look at the sacrifice Christ gave so that we might be forgiven. And we mess around with petty little problems. Should we not easily be able to forgive others? Mm, we can't do that without praying. Are you beginning to understand how important prayer is and how important these instructions are of Christ? They're not just words you quote. God give us grace to live in the spirit of them. And may we learn by Christ's instruction to simply day by day seek God to give us our basic needs and trust in Him as a Heavenly Father. He's not unapproachable and He's not too far to hear our prayers. He's not too high and lofty to listen to our simple petitions. Cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Cares. Cast them all on him. Your cares. Oh, Lord, you're, you're severally reigning over all the universe. My little menial cares are probably mean nothing to you. In the light of all of the big picture and everything that's going on, and God says, no, cast upon me your every care. Ask of me day by day. It's your simple bread. Your needs. As a heavenly Father. Amen. May we ever be reminded of why Christ placed this fourth petition where he did. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who helpeth our infirmities. We thank you also, dear Lord, for these instructions, which, Lord, we've so often read over the years. We briefly scanned over them. Some of us have learned to quote them. Yet, Lord, how much do we live in the light of them? Help us, dear God, we pray, that these simple instructions, yet majestic and sublime, would forever change our prayer lives. That as we seek our Heavenly Father in prayer, that these divine instructions would be the very foundation upon which we lay our petitions before our Heavenly Father, that though we might not say them word by word, our prayers would echo the very sentiments of what our Lord instructs us to pray. Lord, forgive us, for we've failed. Help us, dear God, we pray, to take this fourth petition throughout the week, to take it in prayer before your throne and beseech you to, day by day, give us our daily bread acknowledging that everything we have comes from you.
Father, we love you and we thank you for all things. We ask these things now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.